Hello and welcome to the 90th episode of Popcorn Optional, a weekly movies podcast where we talk all things movies. Tonight we are reviewing Us. I don't know what else to say because I'm terrified to even talk about this. I'm kind of in this realm of like, what if talking about it, does that make my doppelganger more likely to come to me? (laughs) (laughs) My name is Cameron Slanina. I'm joined by Jake Brown and Trevor Allison. I happy to be I here. I thought we were reviewing the music video to the Regina Spector song "Us," but based on the comment you just made, I might have watched the wrong thing this weekend. You might, you might, you might have. Okay, but but you watched two hours worth of the music video. That's right. right? Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I did. Cool. And I have a cool. lot to say about it. Mm. <laughs> Look, guys, there's a lot of symbolism in that music video, and we're going to get into all of it. I think it's because... an allegory for Regina Spector's upbringing in Soviet Russia. Wow. Why do you know so much about and Regina Spector? I have. He watched two hours of music. I have now speed. exhausted my knowledge on Regina Spector. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get into a game of impish or admirable. As done by the television show The Office, and I'm going to throw out some topics here, and Jake and Trevor are going to tell me whether that category is impish, they were bad, stupid, they were, they're not into it, or admirable, something that they like, or they could see working, or they want more of. So the first of those categories is Zack Snyder telling people that they need to wake the F up because Batman kills people in his movies, and that's closer to reality ambitious or admirable oh my gosh <laughs> it, okay so it's impish because he's wrong but i admire the balls <laughs> like for him to just be like you know what i know i'm wrong and i'm standing it's, in my wrongness so that is impish but like i admire the confidence it's it's like <laughs> impish on all of the levels this because the guy who already takes the one of the one of if not the most well-known recognizable and beloved characters in american pop culture history makes the two worst movies that that character appears in and then reveals to us that he didn't understand the very foundational basis of the character whatsoever and then suddenly it all falls into place completely like wh- and it's all, all our fault all fault yeah and apparently i'm I stupid because our fault I it's think, our fault yeah i'm the problem because <laughs> i think that batman's code of not killing people is ridiculous like if you think that batman should kill people you've like in like entirely missed the point like you you can't have missed the point more did you guys see the other shocking quote from this about what he originally intended to do with the moms no. This is the best part. This is the ballsiest part of Zack Snyder's, all of his recent press tour comments. His original thought was that Martha Wayne didn't actually die, but was put into a witness protection program and then sent no. to rural Kansas no. where she would become Martha Kent. <laughs> oh my. That was God. his original plan. I kid you not. Oh man! I wanted to walk out of that movie already, but if that happened, I would have walked out. Oh of that my movie. gosh! Can you imagine the crowd reaction if he had made Batman and Superman brothers, and Batman's whole foundation of being an orphan was just a disguise because his mom was in the witness protection? Can program. you? Okay, so I can just picture this. You know, Warner Brothers has the film rights to Batman. So they can sort of do what they want to with it, I guess. I don't know specifically how that is, but they're in some kind of a meeting with, I don't know, Dan Dan Didio or Jeff Johns or someone from DC is there and Warner Brothers people are there and Zack Snyder's like, guys, here it is. Here it is. Here's the basis. And I'm sure the DC people <laughs> were just like, no, no, stop it. Stop it. Like, like how far into that pitch did he get before it was shut down? Like, I can't. Like four <laughs> seconds. Come on. That'd be like that. Okay. So that's the equivalent of saying like, okay, so we're going to do Superman. Right. But what if he's not from Krypton? <laughs> like that's saying what like, what if 
Bruce Wayne's parents don't die that yeah. you can't right. do that. Which is, which is like, not to say that I I'm cool with the alternate history stuff. There's a great graphic novel called Superman red sun. That is what if Superman yeah. had landed in Soviet Russia instead of the United States? Like, He's still Superman. He still has his same principles, but he's influenced by that culture and that upbringing. And it's really fascinating. Um, but there are some things that you can't change the core of why the character becomes who they are. And as a result, you can't change who the character is, like Zack Snyder is implying here. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. All right. It's just not good. <laughs> well, yeah. We almost did a review of Watchmen, and I really wish we had because I felt like we could have talked at greater length about a lot of. Oh, you mean Zack Snyder's best movie? (laughs) I agreed. Oh wow! Okay, we actually need to do that review. Um, (laughs) That's all right. Next category. (laughs) Next category. Netflix is thinking about introducing a four dollar option where it would be a mobile only viewing. Impish or admirable? Could I then airplay it to my TV? <laughs> that was my first question. <laughs> we have beat the system. Because, yes. <laughs> I think if that's... If so, then very admirable. Yes. I feel um, like I speak for Christopher Nolan when I say impish. Okay. Also, you, but a $1 version where I can use my watch only, <laughs> that's something I might be interested <laughs> in. There we go. What about a $2 version, but you can only listen to it? <laughs> For people who love putting like The Office that. on in the background or like stand-up comedy, but uh, Roma mm-hmm. would be very lost on them. So Triple Frontier would be incredible. Planet Earth would be informative, <laughs> but empty, <laughs> I think. All right, impish or admirable, Apple TV or Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus. Sorry, there we go. All right, what's up with everybody doing the Plus thing too? Disney Plus, I just thought of that. That's annoying. ESPN Plus, don't, oh, okay, that's annoying. Yeah. Uh, adding Plus, to, okay, <laughs> next plus next, next, o- next option. That's all you do. Yeah, you Popcorn do. Optional Plus is coming soon, so get excited, folks. <laughs> Apple uh. Plus, Apple TV Plus, goodness. I just... Jake has talked about this, but basically all everyone is doing is inventing cable TV again, and it still sucks. Like, I I mean, I understand why everyone wants to get in on this because Netflix is making a ton of money and so is everyone else. But at what point do people like me just say, screw it, I'm I'm getting cable again because it's easier, (laughs) you know, like what? There, there's diminishing returns on this. This is not new. It's just in a different. Sh- it just has different clothes on. Same, same guy, same person, same idea. Yeah, it, it really is getting to the point where it's like people will be like, "I'm gonna save money," and then I'm gonna subscribe to like Netflix, and you know what? Then I'll add Hulu, and you know HBO's got Game of Thrones, so I'll get HBO, and you know I miss sports, so let me get ESPN and Plus and blah. Like that's more expensive than a cable subscription, like package with internet. Um. It's it's getting ridiculous, and the frustrating thing is everyone is offering their own original content that is, quote, must-watch, and you have to be, like, within their fenced-off garden to, to watch it. And so Apple's doing the thing where you get their original content as well as certain channels that you can pay for a la carte, which is interesting and exciting, um, especially with the Apple ecosystem. And Apple has proven that they can do this before with music and movies on iTunes and Apple Music. So I, I'm i admirable because Apple usually does a good job of being one of the later people to the party, but doing it the best. And so hopefully that they can figure everything out and then it's cheaper. But I, I'm with Trevor of just like, it's getting it's getting unnecessary. It's getting ridiculous. So let's let's get into some actual like movie stuff. Dora and the Lost City of Gold trailer was released. Impish, impish. or admirable? Okay, impish. Cool. Just stop cool. it. So okay. impish. Boots doesn't even have okay. boots on. <laughs> impish. Do you know who Boots is? But voiced by no. Who is Danny it? Trejo? Yeah. 
<laughs> That's hilarious. I do. That's have... the most Michael Bayism that this movie features. Yes, it is. I do have an issue with boots not wearing boots. Of course. Um, now, I'm already mad about this movie because there's a nugget of something good here. Even in the trailer, there's like a nugget of something good, and it's executed very poorly. So. I'm, I'm, it's impish, but I, but it, this, ugh, it could have been something. It could have been something. I'm really mad. So it's been a little bit since we've talked, but Toy Story 4 trailer, impish or admirable? Hmm. I still don't think this needs to exist, and the trailer didn't make me feel better about it, so it is an impish. Impish also. It's going to be fine. It's going to be pretty good, but it doesn't, I mean, with the way that it seems to be setting up its story, I think we're just going to get these every three years indefinitely until these toys fall apart or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they just keep passing from kid to kid. That'd be weird. Uh, Avengers Endgame marketing campaign giving us hardly anything. So admirable. admirable. Making $1,000 to binge watch all 21 MCU films Leading up to Endgame, impish or admirable? Wait, what? You can make a thousand dollars. What? There's a contest online where if you watch all 21 films, binge watch them, and stay awake and prove it, and you tweet about it and like do all these like there's a couple different like things you have to do in order to qualify, but you will be entered to win a thousand dollars. That is the clearest definition of impish I've ever heard. That is that is exactly <laughs> what impish means. He's doing that. <laughs> Yeah, that also sounds unhealthy. <laughs> like, that sounds dangerous. Don't do that, please. I wonder what the time is on that. Like, what's watching all 21? Like, if you think, I mean, well, even if you just think 21 yeah. times two. I mean, two. we're looking at yeah, 45 so 42 hours. hours? 40, probably somewhere 44, 45, yeah. Yikes. Ah, that's rough. Yeah, please don't do that. <laughs> Impish or admirable? This is something that Jake brought up. Spider-Man Far From Home being a fake movie that they're just advertising until Endgame so that we don't think that Spider-Man's dead. Oh, I forgot to watch that video. Man. Or the the thing that you sent, Jake. Yeah. So this is not my idea. I saw this on a YouTube channel by Austin McConnell. He has a fantastic YouTube channel. You should check it out. Um, But the whole idea is like Avengers Endgame doesn't have any like impact if Spider-Man Far From Home exists because the fact that it exists and we have marketing materials for it tells us that Spider-Man gets saved, which probably means that everybody else gets saved. But what if all of the marketing materials were fake to then have the end of Avengers Endgame be a surprise and like punch you in the gut even harder? Um, it's a brilliant concept. And there's no way Marvel's going to do it, but I love the. I idea. was going to say if if this is true, then I am then Marvel is incredibly admirable. I have nothing but respect. <laughs> I will say that like half half of the trailer content in Infinity War was not in the movie. Yeah. So Marvel does this a lot. Um, they do a lot of like misdirection. A lot of stuff that's not in the movie is in the trailer, and so. I mean, it could happen. It could happen. The Russo brothers have already even came out and said, like, we're misleading you with the trailers. Like, they've just flat out said, like, what we're showing you is not exactly how things happen. What if what if Spider-Man Far From Home means he's in the quantum realm or something? And, like, the movie mm-hmm. exists, and that's the title, but the trailer isn't at all what happens in the movie. Who yeah. knows, man? Who knows? All right, last two. Rami Malek playing the villain in Bond 25. Impish or admirable? Meh. <laughs> Trevor, as somebody who just watched <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> I I think our silence tell like Ram, is Rami Malek a good actor? I don't know. I don't he, I don't know. He is, I've seen him in so many things in and I Bohemian still Bohemian Rhapsody, he's much better on stage than he is off stage. Yeah, um, but is wouldn't you think that on stage would be easier than off stage? Like, there's not a lot of nuance yes. to the on stage. There's a lot of yeah. nuance to the 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 presence is a little bit difficult. 
Um, but but yeah, the teeth do a lot of the work in the movie. I'm not gonna lie, to you. <laughs> it makes it. It's like the Ocean's Thirteen, where like the nose plays. And yeah, in this case, the teeth play. <laughs> Um, I think that Rami Malek could be a good choice here. I'm worried that it's going to be stereotypical since he is of Egyptian Arab descent, which is a problem in, you know, every spy movie with a stereotypical bad guy. Yeah. And that starts filming this week. So we'll have answers pretty soon. All right. Last one. End on a positive note. Stranger Things 3, Impish or Admirable? Oh. So admirable. This trailer is so hot. Oh my gosh. It's one of the best trailers of the year so far. It looks so awesome. I could see this. This could be that. I think, what year was it? Was it last year that Jake put Stranger Things 2 on his top 10 movies? I think so. Maybe two years ago. I think this could be, this could be very similar. This is, if we're going back and doing our most hype movies, this is up there. For this me. has the makings of, it looks like it's going to be better than season two was. I hope so. Season two was good, but season two wasn't as good as season one. Right. Yeah. There's that one episode. Yeah. Which really isn't as problematic, like on a second viewing, but it's still just like 40 minutes of filler for the sake. I don't really, well, enough, not filler, whatever. All right, that's all we have for Impish or Admirable. <laughs> now let's determine whether or not Us is Impish or Admirable. This is the brand new film from Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele, obviously famous from the you know sketch comedy with Key and Peele, but then two years ago made his mark by the film Get Out, which won Academy Awards. It was critically praised. It was commercially successful. And really kind of put Peel on the map. And so, you know, two years later, there's a lot of hype for this film. And even before reviews came out, there was hype. And then the reviews came out and everybody loved it. I mean, it played crazy at South by Southwest. So the hype was huge. And what did you guys think? Was it worth the hype? Is it, is it worthy of the follow-up to get out? Well, for wait, so have we all seen get out? Yes. Yes. Where are you guys on Get Out? Love it. I think it's fantastic. It was overhyped for me, but it's still fantastic. Yeah, it was one of my top five movies of 2017. Okay. Okay. So let's get into Get Out. Uh, general thoughts on, or not, not on Get Out, on Us. General thoughts on Us. Okay. Um, I have been on the record here saying I love good horror movies. Um, it, they're one of my favorite things ever just because it, it's a perfect example of what everything that comes together to make a film can do to you emotionally, physically, spiritually, like as you're watching a movie. Um, and good horror does that. Get Out is a great example of that. And, and so is this. Like I haven't stopped thinking about this movie since I saw it. Um, I think it's a technical masterpiece. I think this is probably the best technically made film I've seen all year on a lot of levels that I'm excited to talk about. There are some issues with the plot for me that kind of like the movie kind of falls apart as you start to think about some of the plot holes. But while you're thinking about it, all of the things that this movie is trying to say, that's what you're focusing on. And that's what Jordan Peele does so well. And so while I do have issues with the plot um, and some of the the gaps there, I think that this is an incredible movie that has so much to say. And uh, I loved it. I I loved it a lot. So, yeah, those are my initial thoughts. Trevor. Yeah, I loved it as well. Um, Just another fantastic work from Jordan Peele. Um, Really, really astounding. Um, Well-made film. um, Great performances. It, it uses horror as a perfect device and it almost gives like an homage to every horror trope that exists in some ways, um, which, which we'll talk about. And I think is really interesting. Um, it has interesting themes. It has a lot to say. Um, I, I identified probably five or six kind of main things that it has to say and says them well. And I think it, the interesting, interesting thing is, is that more things come to you, the more you think about it. Like, like Jake was just saying, um, it's a it's a really fun time and 
for for a horror movie and it really kind of gives you an up and down really well um and, and paces you really well through it so yeah i i really enjoyed it by far the best movie i've seen this year um and i th- and for me i not seeing a bunch of them but this is a horror classic yeah so on the opposite end of the scale you have you know you have jake saying he's a huge fan of horror I have been on record as saying I'm not a huge fan of modern horror, at least. I think there's great, you know, classic horror films, The Thing, Shining. Even the Freddy and Jason films kind of have their cliches that are fun. But I was nervous going into this movie for multiple reasons. I was nervous because of the hype. And then I was nervous just because I don't like horror movies and don't do well. And (laughs) I think I walked out of this movie being shocked at how much this movie accomplishes, how far it exceeded my expectations, how much I loved it and how much of like Jake already said, this is a masterpiece. I think in a lot of ways, and this is, this is how I've categorized this to people I've talked to about this movie. This is this year's annihilation for me. This is the film Mm. that's like, Except for, I mean, this is obviously going to be more seen than Annihilation because there's that whole issue with that. But this is that film that's like perfect. It's going to change film for years to come. And people, tons of people will look back on this film in 20 years and you'll get directors saying like, oh yeah, Jordan Peele um, and us made me want to become a director. And I think that same thing can be said for Annihilation last year. But this film is... Like Jake said, I haven't stopped thinking about it. I haven't stopped theorizing about it. I haven't stopped thinking about like, I don't want another film, but I keep thinking about like, okay, where does things go from here? Like, I'm just so curious about all of these questions and there, it's such a, it's so well done. It's such a delight in a such terrifying movie. (laughs) (laughs) So there's there's a basic storyline. There's basic things we can talk about. So before we kind of get into it, and there's a couple of things that I want to hit on before we get into spoilers. Um, one of which is this movie is very heavily crafted with music. So mm. the score in this, let's talk a little bit about the music and how the music elevates this movie to a whole nother level. Oh, man. Um. Okay, so... I work in filmmaking, mostly in cinematography. I do some other things as well. Um, It always amazes me how I can watch something back that I've worked on. And if the, if there's not finished sound design and music and like mixing, it doesn't feel right. It can be perfectly shot, but it just, it's like, well, you know, this just isn't landing the way we wanted it to. And then the music gets in there, the mixing gets in there sound design and it's it, it fills the world and and that's what audio does is it fills the world you can tolerate bad visuals with good audio a lot longer than you can the reverse and this movie's use of audio is just incredible the music specifically is so beautifully haunting the uh, it, it's unlike anything i've ever heard it's the best score of the year um I would be shocked if this movie doesn't win multiple Academy Awards and audio being a big part of it. Yeah, I completely agree. The every every sound is perfect. Um I, I saw it in IMAX, um, which was terrifying, but also um, amazing <laughs> because um like Jake said, there's the sound is this movie. Like you can't get the feel for everything. And, and it's, it's the music, it's the score, it's the pop songs that it uses. Um, my, one of my favorite moments of the film is kind of a spoilery moment that includes a certain song making an appearance in a morbidly <laughs> hilarious way. Um, but, but yeah, the, the sound is this movie. And just, I mean, I think to me, I, I mean, I know I'm on record as saying I don't like horror. I haven't seen a ton of horror movies, but for all the great horror movies, they get the sound right. Like that's how it it has to work. Um, Because if we, like you were saying, Jake, if you, if it doesn't sound right, you're not in it. And if you're not in it, you can't be scared. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think, I think that 
um, somehow Jordan Peele's sketch comedy background has led him to, I mean, I have no idea what, what influence that has, but, but he's done it again with, with that perfect kind of feel in an encapsulating um, film. Yeah. There's that like vocal chorus of like the kids almost. That's like the choir type Mm -hmm. thing in the background. I listened to the soundtrack the other day and that like, as much as like a star is born gives you that feeling of like, Oh, I'm watching the movie again. That gave me the exact feeling as if I was sitting back in that theater of like, Ooh, I probably um, need to like be on the lookout for what's around me right now. And I I probably (laughs) shouldn't be sitting here. I should probably have the lights on. I should probably go home and uh, lock my doors (laughs) and uh, watch out for people in red jumpsuits. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully layered. (laughs) All good advice. So let's talk, let's talk horror because we've all, we have different opinions on horror. And one of the questions I've got a lot about this movie is how scary is it? And I think that it's terrifying for not the normal reasons. I feel like so often horror movies rely on like jump scares and they rely on things like that to kind of give you this sense of like being afraid. But there are moments in this movie And this is the only time I can ever remember this happening to me in a theater where I got chills in a bad way from somebody saying something like a line of dialogue Mm -hmm. was spoken and I got chills and kind of like felt like sick from that line. And it was a single word that just kind of like, Oh, so that's the amazing thing about this movie that Jordan Peele does is like, yes, there are, there's at least one of every horror trope, which I think he's doing as kind of an homage and a nod. And he's putting, he's putting twists on them, but this movie is just creepy. The world that it builds is so creepy. The performances are so creepy. Lupita Nyong'o. Oh my gosh. It's just, she's amazing. It's terrifying. Um, it's, it's just, I haven't been just this creeped out in a movie, even when nothing scary is happening as since I've seen it follows. I think that's the other film that does creepiness on this level, even when like nothing is happening. So what separates this film? We've talked about the tropes and everything. What separates this film from other horror films? How does it avoid falling into those pitfalls of those tropes? I mean, it's for me in, in what makes it really scary is the, the unpredictability of it. Um, at least for me, I, I felt like once the once the doppelganger showed up, I had no idea what was going to happen. I had from moment to moment no idea what the flow of this film was going to be, what the story was going to be, how it was going to go, who was going to die, who was going to live. No idea what was going to happen. Um, but I think that it, like like Jake said, it almost it avoids falling into horror kind of a horror rut by just like going through every trope individually. I mean, we have, um, we have locked in a closet. We have handcuffed. We have a home invasion. We have doubles. We have running through the woods from your double. We have fighting on a boat. We have (laughs) the police won't answer the phone. The police won't come to your house. Um, I mean, we have like all of the tropes, (laughs) um, we have baseball bats and golf clubs and rocks and, <laughs> and fire pokers, slow walking villains and slow walking villains. Yeah. We have, yeah, it's, it's all, but it's almost like, um, by invoking all of those things at once, it says, okay, here's what we're doing, but also let's move on and do something really different. Yeah. Uh, I think another big part of it is the cinematography. Um, I, I mean, we just, ranted and raved about how fantastic the, the sound design is and it and it is and that's a huge part of what creates the creepy atmosphere um but most of this film is shot in a wide or a medium like we're very rarely doing really close-up stuff and that's where horror likes to live because the less you're showing in the frame um the more you're able to like make people feel uncomfortable because they're not seeing what's going to happen like you're you're seeing everything like very rarely are you unaware of what's happening. It's just being so perfectly shot and uh, like stage directed, almost like planned out and blocked that when things are happening, like you're not, you're surprised because the story's so good. You're not surprised and scared because of a jump scare. 
like you're seeing the characters interact and and doing what what they're doing and you're thinking how you would do it in in their position and you're relating to them because you can see what they're doing do you guys think that part of what elevates it is the performances of the characters like nothing feels hokey they feel like real lived in people that's a creepy way to say yeah. that for this movie lived in um, <laughs> they but they feel like like this is actually like Lupita Nyong'o and Winston Duke's family this is their marriage and their kids and this is their lake house that they hate to go to but it's like so much of this world actually feels real it doesn't feel like this like oh why are you up in this creepy cabin area oh my boyfriend broke up with me so I'm just gonna go get away for a couple days I'm going to lock myself in this house with no cell phone service. It's like, no, that's it's dumb people doing dumb stuff. Yeah. Winston Duke is peak dad in this. And I completely mm-hmm. love it. He's so, he's so good. Um, we talked about Lupita Nyong'o, um, the, the terrifyingness and that, um, in both the characters that she plays really, um, and then, I mean, everyone is great. Everyone is playing two people and doing a great job at doing that. Also, I mean, it's Elizabeth Moss is is I think one of one of the greats working today. Usually does does TV work mostly, but um, is fantastic in this as well. I think, yeah, I agree, Cam. The performances um, really elevate it, and I think that's a difference from a lot of horror because horror is usually made with the budget um, and not great performances all the time. You know. <laughs> But even like Tim Heidecker, who is a comedian, gives a great role as this like tool-esque dad. But then his doppelganger is also extremely terrifying. And like, it's funny, but it's terrifying at the same time. The way that he moves himself and grunts, like his specific noises. I think a lot of it comes down to Peel's direction. Like the fact that he's getting these people to play two characters and a lot of times interacting with that character themselves um it just shows like jordan peele's mastery of the script and directing these characters and knowing when to lean into horror lean into comedy lean into just like an uncomfortableness with one character while this other character has an obliviousness to them um apparently when they were doing all of the like family reacting to the doppelganger stuff Jordan Peele was playing all of the doppelgangers um, and was mimicking exactly what they had just done in that previous shot to match eyeline with the cinematography. Like that just shows that he, he's just a master of this craft of directing, which like, once again, we keep joking about but like who would have thought Jordan Peele of Key and Peele. But I mean, he, he's, I, he's one of the best directors working today, I think. But what's Yeah. Jake on that point though, is like, a lot of times with a sophomore film, somebody can go one of two ways. They can either be show their confidence or after a great first film, their sophomore film, they start second guessing themselves. Like, is this what made this good? Is this what made this good? How did I do this last time? How did I... And you can see that on screen. This to me is somebody who like fully knows what they're doing and is like, all right, everybody liked what I did before. I'm going to elevate that to another level because I have like that in my bag of what I can do. That's like his mastery here is insane. Yeah, he didn't make this movie because someone was offering him a bunch of money to do it after his last movie was good. Um, right. He made this movie because and it was he a story had he had tons of offers tell. after last time. Monkey Paw Productions, his new production company. Yeah. Yeah. Was there ever a point where the comedy was distracting for either of you? Oh, or it was, was it? It was perfect. I thought it was perfect. Just these tiny little chuckles here and there to just kind of remind you that this is like this, not that it's like, not that it's necessarily possible, but that, that it's grounded in reality um, as far yeah. as um, the physics of it. And there's not like a supernatural really bent to it or any of that kind of stuff. Um, but, but yeah, I think that um, the humor, not, I don't know that levity is right, but the humor makes it all bearable. I think that your mind would be toast at the end of this without the humor. Yeah, you can't expect an audience to be scared for two hours straight, and you, you can't make a movie that way. Like, it, it just wouldn't work. Um, 
you need the moments of humanity to connect with the characters and to take a breath to then be scared again while you like you're settling into a comfort of safety then that's when you scare them again um and that's what jordan peele does all right so let's kind of let's hop into spoilers here because there's a lot to get into that we can't talk about without spoiling a lot of the film so if you haven't seen us and you're one of the few people who hasn't done so because it's making the buku bucks as we like to say go see us it's well worth your time if even if you don't like horror films i think that if you are a fan of movies which if you're listening to this podcast i'm guessing you are you would probably be a fan of this movie it's extremely well done it's features so many extremely talented people at the peak of their abilities and it is well worth your time. You will walk out more excited about movies than when you left. And that's one of the greatest gifts that a movie can give you. So hopping into spoilers, there's there's a lot of moments in this movie that if misunderstood, well, maybe not misunderstood. Let me just throw this out there. Are there ever times in this movie where there are dumb people doing dumb things or is it smart people doing smart things and bad things keep happening? Mostly the latter. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I, are there times though? There was an example so Jake, you had, say mostly. I can't remember what I, what I had thought of the other day. Just, just like little moments where it's like, I'm going to get out of the car and check. Like why, why, why do you, why get out of the car? Like by yourself in the woods, in the dark. To check that somebody's See, stuff well, like here's that, my like, theory. <clears throat> so here's the I don't I don't want to completely throw this thing off the rails. But if you, are you talking about like when when Adelaide gets out of the car to see if the teenage girl doppelganger is still there? Yes. Yes. So I guess I'll I'll, I'll open this can. Um, how much does Adelaide know of what's going on throughout the movie? Like does okay, she so re- do we want to get into the end? So, but because what I'm saying is, is, is that that impacts whether that was a good decision or not? Does that make sense? So you're asking whether or not she is fully aware throughout the movie of her relationship to right. the other character, right? Or does she? I only think she remember is it at the fully. End? I think she's fully aware of the entire movie. Oh, See, I don't think so. That's why I almost bought a ticket and watched it again. Except my wife was at home with our daughter. Otherwise, okay, so let, let, let's, otherwise I would have let's, just like gone to say Homer Simpson and walked right back in. <laughs> we get to the end of the movie, Red and Adelaide, which Red is Lupita Nyong'o's character, and Red's the doppelganger. Adelaide is the main version Regular of the kind. character, the non-darkest timeline version. <laughs> there is there's there's two characters. They have a fight down in the tunnel system where all of the doppelgangers live which is beautifully acted they come physically back, by the way that, yes. that fight is wonderful and, no, and not to throw comparisons to annihilation once again another movie ends with a sort of ballet-esque dance between two characters of the same and then you know from there but it's revealed as adelaide is driving off with her family that adelaide actually switched bodies with Red or red switched bodies with Adelaide, whichever one you want to say it. The <laughs> doppelganger came up to the surface, kidnapped Adelaide, and then took her place in the human world, which is something they had kind of been slowly teasing throughout the film. Was that something that you guys had seen coming throughout the movie, or did it catch you completely off guard? It surprised me, honestly. Like, there were it, it, it made things make sense that didn't make sense. Like, how did she just so casually find this? Like how just a lot of other things where it was like, that was too easy. Um, but once they revealed that it was like, Oh, okay. Now I understand. The, the story is told in such a way. And that even if you consider it, it's equally as likely as not through what, why yeah. from the information that you know, but I feel like yeah. they keep you busy enough and well paced enough that you're not, you don't have time to think about that. Like if you're taking time to, cause let me play through these options. You're missing out on what's on screen and what's on screen is so good that you're not considering that you're not like taking time to fully think through that. So 
do you guys think that she's so you guys both think that she's not aware of it the entire movie I, until I the end? I haven't decided yet. <laughs> I think it's like subconsciously she knows. Like there are there are things that she's able to remember, uh, like how to get down to the basement. Like that's something that she just like knows in her subconscious. Like um, but I don't think that she's fully aware of that like she was red. Okay, so here's my argument. I think that she is fully aware. And I think that something that this film is trying to say on or say is once you... Because there's a lot of... A lot of the movie is about the difference between the marginalized and those living above the rest. And I think that it's trying to say something on the idea of like, just because you have the above the rest or you've come up to the top of everything doesn't mean that you feel any less safe in not losing that. And so I think that her fears throughout the movie is in losing this thing that she's gained and going back to this terrible life that she had before. And so to me, it it plays as if like her fear when she's talking to her husband and everything is that like, she's fully aware that back in the day she was this other doppelganger character and has now become the main version of the character. If that makes sense. Yeah. It it both, both of them make sense and you can argue either side. I think, I think what's more important is like, what do you think the movie is saying through the switch of them and the doppelgangers and everything? Cause that's what, that's what Jordan Peele wants from this movie. He doesn't want you to get lost in like, the nuances of the plot holes, because there are a lot of plot holes. He wants you to focus more on like what he's trying to say. So what do you think the movie is trying to say? <laughs> a, a lot of I mean, stuff. That's the- <laughs> I, think, I think it's saying yeah. a lot of things. Um, so let's get into it. I think what, what, what are some of the things? I, I think there's definitely a um, kind of conspiracy theory criticism of the U S government with, with the implication that the, you know, the people are created by the government for mind control of the citizens. Um, There's a nice little plant when they're driving in the car at the beginning where Zora says, she's like reading something on her phone and she says, did you know the government is using put puts fluoride in our drinking water to control our minds? And you mean H2 flow, right? That's right. (laughs) T flizzle. And, um, I think that there's a, I think that within that or next to that, there's also a, and I haven't completely fleshed this out. I need to see it again, but I think there's a, there's a slavery allegory here as well. Um, This kind of underneath on top oppression with seeing these people above who um, are completely ignorant of those below them. In this case, you know, it's because, they don't know they exist, but it, but I think the allegory is there to real life where you just kind of ignore the existence of those who you feel to be beneath you. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah. I, I think, I think there's a lot about, I think ultimately it's about oppression in, in a lot of ways, but I haven't completely unpacked all that I want to there. Yeah. I think that there is a, a lot here um uh, the more that you think about it the more themes there are uh in the film i think uh the big ones that stuck out to me were uh the us versus them mentality i think that's making a commentary on on race i think that's making a commentary on refugees i think that's making a commentary on homelessness lower income people versus high income people uh basically the the people that have uh that have have this false sense of security from the have nots and the further away you can be from the have not of the world, you can feel safer and better about the world that you live in. Um, I think that's, that's a big commentary here. Uh, another one is we're seeing book Jeremiah eleven eleven. Um, the, the verse is therefore, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring calamity upon them and they will not escape. Though they beg for mercy, I will not listen to their cries. And while the verse alone is scary, you have to take into context the entire book of Jeremiah 
which is uh, a prophet, Jeremiah, talking to the people of his nation, saying, turn away from your false idols, um, or else you will feel the wrath of the Lord. And I think that that is shown uh, through the family of Elizabeth Moss and the other guy, I forget their names, uh, and they represent the false idols chasing fame, youth, technology. The aforementioned scene with uh, the F the Police by NWA and Ophelia was just fantastic. Um, Our reliance on technology, worshiping technology, the twins are always on their phones, Um, stuff like that that just shows the idols in our world and that we should reject them uh, and look past the separation between us, the haves, and the have-nots and try and connect them. Um, And then also, another one I thought of today was, for some reason, um, the fates. Do you guys know the fates from like Hercules, the the ladies with the string? Uh Like you start the string, measure the string, cut the string. For some reason, that got like that came into my mind with like the tethering of the souls. Uh, Like they're connected with a string and they have the scissors all the time and they're trying to untether and or cut themselves away. And then I was like, are that then that goes to the question of are we dealt the hand that is our lives or do we make it ourselves? Like what what is fate? Because Red was dealt Red's life, but through taking control of her own life, she became Adelaide. And um, yeah, I mean, there's just so much here to talk about. It's crazy. It it just, I could keep going on and on and on. And I think, I think there's something here where every character that we see is seeking something that doesn't last. Like um, the dad wants the boat the kid wants the magic tricks. The sister wants to be on her phone, but Adelaide is the one who like wants everyone to be safe and be together. And, and she's the one who has come from the different place and understands like the, what actually has value. But what's funny about that is like what she is defending is also a lie. Like, is it a lie though? Like, why is it a lie? This is my thought on the movie is like part of it is like it's no less real for for her than it is for the other character just because she wasn't born into it. I agree with that. And and like I I, but technically like she took that, you know, and that is one of the arguments that this movie is trying to make is like a lot of people, a lot of the haves have taken from the have nots to get to where they are and the haves take from the have nots through tax reform and medic blah 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 like if you want to get political like i i totally understand that but i don't think that you can disagree that like she's defending a life that wasn't dealt to her or given her she took it i don't know what i'm trying to say but like i do no i think Stockholm that you're right i think that she did kind of thing but not even that because right like concept, but. her relationship with her kids and her relationship with her husband isn't any less real or significant or special because she came from a different place. She still worked to develop those relationships and have those oh. relationships yeah, and totally. do all of that. And so I think to her, it's like she's just fighting for what is hers. And to me, it's almost like, more significant because she's had to work for that. Um, you do like, I think that that twist at the ending changes everything in the film because it, it, it contextualizes why red acts the way that she does. Like her actions aren't fully like wrong. She's right in trying to come to the surface and take back what's hers, but you also don't fall Adelaide for her actions in just trying to get to the surface and, lead that life for herself it's this what it's when the movie moves into that area of horror for so uh, so many different times is black and white it's good and bad it's evil in this and this movie operates so much after that that twist puts everything in the gray absolutely i i think that's kind of like what's special about this movie is uh there are no true monsters or heroes in this film everyone is a victim of something um and I think that is what you're able to relate to everybody. And without the twist, I don't think you do, you feel that as much. No, I think you're right. 
Do you guys think that uh, the twist at the end? So here, so this is this is the one thing that when I kind of pull at it, that I wish I had more of, was how I wish that Red had made some sort of comment to Adelaide about. And I get that the, the twist at the end doesn't necessarily work as well, but about like, there's never any like, you took this from me or like, this is mine. You're just like, you would think that somebody that had been living a d- different life and had it taken away from them for, you know, See, 25 years or something would have said something. I think, I think that she says that, but in kind of an, an opposite, almost sarcastic way when she says, I would have never danced if it weren't for you. I think mm. I think that phrase is serving that same purpose, but in like a kind of darkly ironic way. Hmm. Yeah, especially and I wonder if watching the, the movie the, back, knowing right, and and there's the and yeah. the the cyclical nature when you start thinking about that is she wouldn't have danced if it weren't for her, but she danced because of the situation, because of the other one, you know, like that. It's it's like a paradox almost, like who yeah. was the one who caused the dancing to begin. Hmm. Wow. You guys, (laughs) so what are some of the questions that you guys have? Okay. At the end of the movie that the big question is where did they get all the scissors? How many pairs of scissors? (laughs) How did they get all of them? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. That's the only like real, real plot hole for me. (laughs) Oh, I've got a lot. Um, how did Red coordinate a nationwide attack when no one else can talk or like, and how is she able to connect with all of the these tunnels, people? man? I, yeah, but the tunnels still. putting um, that, that title card at the beginning was just like a real mind effort. Yes. Is that real? <laughs> oh, <man>. like, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got real nervous for a second there. I, was like, I know there's <laughs> tunnels under Baylor. Is that everywhere? Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure there are. Um, where'd they get all the stuff? That's what was one that you said, Trevor, with the scissors, but also the jumpsuits and the gloves and everything. Um, is she the first person to go up and swap places? If so, how, um, why would the original Adelaide not leave after getting down there? She seems like a pretty smart kid. Uh, my, my big one is, well, two, I guess. Uh, what are the rules with the tethering thing? Like only the boy seems to be really tethered, but only sometimes when it's kind of convenient for the plot. And so it was like, but then the dancing. So is it like you're just as a kid, you're tethered, but then as you grow older, you're still tethered spiritually, but not physically. Uh, That one confused me. And then why is red forced to mimic her when red is the original? Like is the whole, have a soul thing related to just living above and having opportunity. I guess so. And then that's like Jordan's peel commentary on the world, but shouldn't, shouldn't Adelaide be the one that's mimicking red as a child. I, I don't know. So, well, so that was my question. Like what if, what if in the underground area, it is actually a switch for a while and she's having to learn like red is on the surface is now having to learn how to untether herself or like how to not give into it. Cause there are times where like, maybe that's where her silence comes from. Yeah. Like where, when you gain a voice is when you aren't as tethered to somebody else. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but those, those were like the plot holes for me. They definitely did not like ruin the movie, but they did. I think, the more you think about them, the 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 less strong the film is. But this isn't a movie that like asks that of you because it gives you so much to chew on in terms of like what is this film trying to say? Yeah, I also think like at least for me, the whole because I've heard the okay, where does the materials come from? Where how do they how are they able to coordinate this? To me, all of that is kind of like suspended disbelief stuff. Of okay, there's an underground where there's a bunch of people that are tethered to us. And right now there's somebody down there sitting at a desk recording a mic, just like me, but you know, doesn't get that many listens just like us. And you know, it's kind of schlubby looking with glasses, just like me, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, after that, my questions beyond that with into that realm, stop 
like stop there because it's like okay this is obviously something suspended but <laughs> right, i do think that a, like the whole tethering thing is is really interesting yeah. well it, at the end yeah. of the day it's a sci-fi movie it's not a horror movie just like get out it's a it's, yeah. it's a sci-fi movie that that uses kind of with a horror streak it's like a it's like the alien genre Huh, that's a good point. Uh, I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. All right. Uh, any other thoughts before we get to our ratings? Um, the I don't know where. I mean, I, they obviously shot in a lot of different places, but the locations beneath the surface are amazing. The yeah. the escalator, those long, incredibly plain hallways. Um just like the 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 different the incredibly different feel the underground has from the above is is really impressive from a production design location standpoint yeah what do you guys um, think the deal is with the rabbits that's the one i'm kind of like i don't know what to make of that part so i think they did the original tests of cloning with the rabbits yeah. and then it the rabbits repopulate so fast that that's that the food they just yeah, it became the food quickly. source. Yeah, but do you think that there's a larger reason or symbolism behind the rabbits? Probably. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys yeah. think that us and us are a coincidence? Do you think there's something there to the title? Yeah, probably. Yeah, because especially that line where she's like, uh, "We are Americans." So like, what are you? Americans yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the line that got me was when she was like, girl, run. Uh. That line terrified me to my core. <laughs> like, you know, when the person in control of the situation tells you to run, it's never good. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and when you're like, wait, why, why would you want to run? And then you realize like, you remember like, okay, she's a track athlete. And then you see like the doppelganger girl, just like smiling, running. It's like, okay, this is terrifying. Oh, man. Oof. That whole living room scene is one of the best scenes I've it is so seen tense. in a long time. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's so good. Lupita Nyong'o as the doppelganger red is one of the best performances I've seen in a while. Oh, yeah. She's she's amazing. I, yeah. I would not be surprised if she gets best actress nod for this movie because she does a great job in both roles. Yep. I mean, right. So good. She, she, and the she's kids like, are great too. Like a different like for, person. Yeah. Like it's not even. Yeah. It's it's incredible. And that yeah. voice, which I thought was going to be really hokey, like it goes from this like almost like comedic thing into like, hor- like just pure horror of a voice. And it also makes sense story wise, which I appreciate. Yes. Yeah. So. All right, let's get into our final thoughts and ratings. Jake, kick us off. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be uh, a film that we look back on in 10 years and just keep praising. Uh, it is a technical masterpiece. Um, the music, the cinematography, the editing, the production design, everything is just perfect. The performances are perfect. Um while I do have some issues with the plot, like I brought up earlier, in no way do those hinder the viewing experience. Um, because of how dense this movie is. Um, I love this movie. I I can't give it an A plus until I see it again. Um, so for now, it's going to be an A. Just a straight A. I cannot wait to see what Jordan Peele does next. Yeah, I, I definitely need to see it again, especially after this conversation we've just had. Um, definitely looking forward to seeing it a second time. Um, for me, it's a horror classic. It, it's a lot... Um, it's a lot like the shining. Um, it's, it's a horror film with, it's got an interesting story, but it has just layer upon layer upon layer of meaning and, and subjectiveness to it. Um, yeah, it's a horror classic. It's an 11 out of 11 for me. Um, best movie of the year so far. I will give it the exact same as you guys have given it. It's an a, I kind of have the same rule as Jake where it's one of those, I don't give it an a plus unless it's, Either the greatest movie I've ever seen or it's I've seen it a second time and then I can fully confirm that A plus. But this is this is like the one of the better like movies 
like going experiences I've had in a while where I just walked out of it and was just like grinning at like what I just saw of that was like, I just got to experience something magical. Like I really like, it's one of those stories that you walk out of and you're like, that's a completely unique brand new take on everything. So congrats to Jordan Peele on another home run, another big win, another great movie. And let's go ahead and get to our content of the week. Trevor, what is your content of the week? Um, all right. So I finally watched free solo and I want to echo cam's recommendation that it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, really enjoyed it. It's on Hulu now. So pretty easily available. Um, I also watched, uh, 2015's best picture winner spotlight this weekend. Um, my sister had watched it recently, um, for a journalism class and asked me if I'd seen it and I had not. And um, I come to it with a little bit of bias with a journalism background, but I thought Spotlight was an amazing piece of filmmaking. Not only is it yeah. an incredible story about incredible people, but it's a it's a perfectly made film. Like there's no way to improve this film. It's absolutely perfect. Um, it's it's kind of the 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 21st century update of all the president's men um, along those same lines. And the remarkable thing in it is that it feels so real because every camera angle is from where a person would be sitting or standing in the scene and you feel like you're there in every room in the film and it's it's a really interesting story with some really great performances by a whole cast of great people um, but I highly recommend Spotlight if you haven't seen it yet yeah that movie is why the post is such a disappointment oh, I um <laughs> Uh, so I have two quick recommends. I just finished a book uh, by Cormac McCarthy, The Road. Uh, it was my first time ever reading it for some reason. It's a classic. It is fantastic. Uh, it's a quick read. I read it in like two or three days. And especially if you have kids, I don't. But if you have kids, like I'm assuming that you're going to be weeping throughout the entire book. So have fun <laughs> That's with exactly that, why I can't read it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then also Arrested Development Season 5 Part 2 is on Netflix now. And I don't know if it's good. I don't know if the show is still good. All I know is the first two seasons are some of the best TV ever made. And I still love watching these characters interact on screen. So if you want to like kind of hate watch it with me, yeah, join on in, everybody. I haven't, I haven't taken the plunge yet. Season 5 Part 1 was so bad. It was so bad. Yeah, it's, it's uh, first two episodes are not great, so <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> okay, so we are, as of today, as of recording this on Tuesday, April, or Tuesday, March 26th, we are officially one month away from Avengers Endgame. And if you haven't gotten tired of us talking about the MCU, I'm going to talk about it a little bit more. Because I'm going to try and watch all 21 movies before Endgame comes out. So oh if you want to follow God. along, yeah, if you want to follow along, you pretty much need to watch all of phase one in the next week. So Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, I'm sorry, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, First Avenger, and Avengers. So six movies, all worth your time leading up to, honestly, what I'm starting to think is like, it's going to be, the movie came out, the movie was top, was announced today that it's going to be three hours. Like, it's officially what? Well, I thought cut, it was like 240. done. No, done. It's God. cut, done, everything. They could show it today. It is three hours and two minutes. Wow. I so, well, that's exciting, and I'll say a prayer for Brittany for the next month. Man. Yeah. Uh, I haven't yeah. seen yeah. a three-hour movie in theaters since Les Mis, I don't think. I don't, is Lay missed three hours? I think so. The Tom Hooper one Oof. from 2012. Yikes! I was gonna say since Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's probably Lord of the Rings for me. But I think this movie is gonna be worth it. I mean, I think if anything is gonna have three hours worth of content, it's this. Oh yeah. The Lay Miz is 2:38. Oh okay. Okay. Should have had. I wonder how long Avatar is. Yeah. Oh, I guess Hateful Eight. That's three hours. Maybe Hateful Eight's my most recent. Oh, well. All right, that's all we have for this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a new review, hopefully of something other than Dumbo. Because I have (laughs) absolutely no interest in seeing that movie. I hope I'm not the only one. I don't really care about it either, but we'll see. 
All right. If you've enjoyed listening to us, go to iTunes, Spotify, subscribe, rate, review us, share us with your friends and family. If you want to hear somebody talk more about movies that you like, share us. If you want to know more about us, go to our website at Popcorn Optional. If you want to interact with us, you can go to Twitter at Popcorn Optional. My name is Cameron Slanina. You can find me on Twitter at 321 Time or on Letterboxd at C Slanina. Jake, where can we find you online? You can find me at jakebrown.tv. That's my website and my Instagram. And I'm on Letterboxd at Jake underscore Brown. Trevor. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Turbo Trevor. We get it, Trevor. No. You're cool. <laughs> In the words of Truman Burbank, if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Bye. Later. Later.